This exhortation was brought to you by the Light Bearers, bringing light until there's no more darkness. Just convince um, whoever would be reading about some certain truths. Amen. So, um, for example, you wrote something in First John, chapter one. Um, if you read from the NKJV, so First John chapter one, from verse one. <clears throat> It says that which for us from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. And it goes on to say, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, uh, that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested in us. Praise God. This is just so poetic. It says, that's which we have seen, which we have heard, which we have looked upon. And he's talking about the word of God. It means he has, he has, he has handled it. He has, he has, he has been in a relationship with this word and he's delivering it to, to his readers. All right. And we can say all, all these things are, you know, the realities. They are no more um, just fables. The Bible says in Second Peter, I believe, says we have not um, dwelt in... Um, in fables, you know, in how I, I forget how he, exactly Peter said it. All right, but he handled all these things, and for that reason, he has become a witness. Amen. All right, but listen to something he said. It says concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare unto you that eternal life. So he said that eternal life was manifested in us. Praise God, and that's one of the prime things that we have access to in christ so i just decided i'll be talking about zoe today talking about eternal life today uh we can open to the book of john i already said we've um um referenced john a lot so open to the book of john chapter one from verse four um so it says in him was life and the life was the light of men now i think one can preach on this for a two million years because this is just crazy it's just it's just you know a lot it says in him was life and the life was the light of men let me read from the beginning of that verse it's a popular verse uh, from john chapter one verse from verse one so that we have some context so it says in the in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god it says he was in the beginning with god all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men. Praise God. So it says, in him was life. Let's stay with the first part now. It's in him was life. Now, this word life was a very big deal. The word was a very big deal to John. You know, it is said that he mentioned the word life 36 times in his gospel. Only he mentioned it 36 times. In fact, no other New Testament book used it more than 17 times. But he used all the time. All the time it was a big deal with to john and why because he knew that it kind of encapsulates a lot of what he saw about christ amen because it was someone who very closely gleaned with christ and in retrospect when i was writing several years down it was like this is a big thing i must emphasize it i must pepper it all over my writings you know but before we assume what exactly is life what is this life that god is so full of that he says in him was life what is this life now, in the New Testament, just so that we are not mistaken, there are three words that are used for life. Amen. 
One is sush, that is P-S-U-C-H-E, which is just the natural life or the soul life. Amen. Um, it's just the soul life, the thinking parts, that life. You know, some people are deep thinkers. They have, they build things in their minds. You know, that's a, a thriving soul life. That's a thriving sush. Amen. For example, in Matthew 16, um, 25, that's what was used when he said, for whoever wants to save his life, shall lose it. Some translations have it as whoever wants to save his soul life shall lose it. But whoever loses his soul life for my sake shall find it. Praise God. So he's talking about that kind of life. All right. Many, so even though many English translations are just life for many kinds of life, we need to, sometimes you need to use a concordance to know exactly what kind if you're, you know, like a serious Bible student. Praise God. So that is one kind of like the soul life, the sush. Another one is the bios. All right. And that's the word from which biology came from. That's just the, the base kind of life. Any, any, any uh, animal has that kind of life. It's just something is living, blood is flowing, the heart is pumping. And then, you know, it's just walking around. It's a very, um, it's a very superficial kind of life. That is this, the bios. All right. For example, we see it in Luke chapter 8, 8 verse 14. The Bible says, and that's which fell into the thorns. You know, this is the parable of the sower. Um, when I was speaking in verse 40, it says, and that which fell into the thorns, those are those, these are those who heard and going away are utterly choked by anxieties and riches and pleasures of this life and do not bring any fruit into maturity. So it's just about like this life, about ah, what can I eat? What can I drink? It's a very base kind of life, no depth to it. You know, that's the kind of life where if I feel hungry, I eat. If I feel, you know, if I feel, you know, it's just very base. Amen. So that's the kind of life. But finally, there is a kind of life called Zoe. You know, that's the word I, that was used in the first uh, verse I read. First John, John chapter 1 verse 4. You, you know, it says, in him was life. This life that was used. It says, in him, in him was Zoe. About. Describes a transcendental kind of life. This is the Kedah of life that God himself, God the Father in heaven, is the same life he has. Just think about that for a minute. The same life that he has, that he runs with. This is Zoe. It's the pedestal, the plane of life. It is the highest Kedah of life possible. The highest nature possible. Praise God. And that's why it's a big deal. And that's why John spoke about it a lot. You know, some people call it eternal life. Others say it's the God kind of life. I think Kenneth E. Hagin, you know, the late man of God, he liked calling it the God kind of life. You know, it's all the same thing. All right. What else is there to know about this plane of life? It is found not only in God, but in whoever is related to him. Praise God. You know, there's a verse in the Old Testament that says the life of the animal is in the blood or something like that. If you are blood related to God, you also have the same life flowing in you. Praise God. If you're in God's family, you must have the same kind of life. Let's look at something just to prove that quickly. Let's take a detour to John chapter 5 um, from verse 26. This was Jesus talking here. He says, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. You know, just exactly what I was saying. The same, if the Father has the Son, that is Jesus Christ must have it. Praise God. But well, here's where it gets interesting. Let's open to another book that was written by John. First John chapter 5, verse 11. It says, And this is the record 
that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life. And he that does not have the son hath not life. Praise God. So this life was not just found in the father. Jesus said, as the father has life, he has also given the son. Now he's saying, he who has the son, if you are born again, you also have the same life. Praise the Lord. So we can partake of the same life even now, the same transcendental plane of life that God has from the beginning. The same eternal life, the same, that same plane. And that's why we are very far, we are very far away from unbelievers. We are not the same, even if we look the same physically. We are miles apart. Praise the Lord. No wonder John spoke about it so much. You know, no wonder I was so excited about it. No wonder he wanted to want wanted us to know. He wanted to impart something on this, in the readers. He wanted to know, us to know that we could partake of it. In fact, the way he wrote his gospels, with the imagery, the poetry, the way he wrote about the signs and miracles of Jesus, it was all so that we could easily believe and partake in his way. Praise God. And that's why he said in John chapter twenty, verse thirty-one, he says, "But these things." This was towards the end of his writing. It was describing why he wrote John. He says, but these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life as a way through his name. This was John's main reason. It was his main reason for writing the book of John. And that believing you might have life through his name. Praise the Lord. He wanted us to partake of the same way by putting us in contact with Christ's spirit writings. Now, let's back it up a bit. Let's go back to um, John chapter 1, verse 4, which is like the central text of for today. Um, John, cha John chapter 1, verse 4. So, this was Jesus, um, Jesus saying, um, um, yeah. so um, John said, in him was life. So, in him, in the Father was life. He was full of life. He was robust, energetic, brimming, full of Zoe. Praise the Lord. He was full of it. And no wonder... Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 14, you know, when he said in verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The same is the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I am the life. Not just any life. Not sush, not bios. He says the life. That's a definite article. You know, like a specific, the life. Not just any kind, the, the life. Praise God. Now, let's read a story quickly. Um as we we'll begin to pray, maybe shortly. John chapter 4, verse 7. I told you we'll read a lot from John. So we'll read from verse 7 to verse 14. I'll be reading from the NKJV quickly. Now, um, the Bible says, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. 
But the water that shall, I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. The word used there was Zoe. Now, this is a very remarkable story. And I believe that it wasn't a mistake. Jesus was not there by mistake. It was by divine orchestration. There was something that needed to be done with that Samaritan woman. So if you followed closely, you quickly see that at some point, it looked like they were talking about different things. You know, if you look, read the latter part of the passage, for example, the woman assumed Jesus was talking about physical water from the physical well, like H2O. But Jesus was talking about something else. He really was talking about eternal life. Praise God. All right. He says, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Wow. Now he says, whoever drinks of this water that I shall give him. Notice the water is coming from Christ. He says that person will never thirst. Now, what does it mean to thirst? The Greek word for that, because I looked at it, I think it's something like dipsy say or something like that. It doesn't really matter. But it's a word that means for the souls to earnestly desire something. When your soul is parched, you, you, you want something. You know, for the soul to eagerly want, feel in want of something. To be constantly striving, yet never reaching a mark. All right? To set a target, believing that, oh, this thing would lead to fulfillment. But you meet that target. You know, you know what I'm saying? You meet that target and you realize that this thing doesn't even really satisfy. That is to thirst. You know, many people live their lives thirsty. They're empty, overwhelmed, strained, constantly striving for this and that, for this and that. That's it. Their souls are thirsty. Praise the Lord. You know, you find people that are clutching at any and everything that seems like to bring the soul fulfillment, bumbling and stumbling along the way. So someone says, oh, it's keto, it's keto diet that leads to fulfillment. Ah, then you jump on it. Ah, keto diet. Let's start eating keto diet. Or another person says, leave the hustle and bustle of the city you know i heard people, people do that kind of thing they just say leave the city life that go and live close to nature go and live close to nature that, that's where <laughs> fulfillment is and then they, they they terminate their lease and get a tent or a caravan and go and live in the woods where mosquitoes will bite them because they want to live close to nature they're just following a fad all right but they are never satisfied they're hoping on this new thing or that new thing they're thirsty but jesus said Whoever drinks of this, the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Praise the Lord. Now, the Samaritan woman was actually thirsty. You know, I didn't read it now, but if you read further in verse 16, you'd see something interesting. You know, this was where Jesus said, for example, in verse 16, it says, Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. Then the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that, you, you spoke truly. Praise the Lord. So she was a serial divorcee, as well as being an adulteress. She was with a man who was not her husband. She has had five husbands. Praise the Lord. So you begin to think, why is she changing husbands so often like on the way? Five husbands. Think about that. How can you have five husbands? You're like, ah, ah. You know, five husbands, what are you looking for? It's because she was thirsty. She's finding something that would satisfy her. She's searching for something, yet never reaching it. Amen? Thirsty in the soul. Oh, for some people, it's sex. You know, that they think will satisfy. Some others, it's drugs and alcohol. Some others, even their work. 
all right they are trying to fill the void with within with something with this with that constantly active praise god for the samaritan woman it was in serial husbands so maybe the first time she married a tall one like laudo julia and then she decided <laughs> she decided <laughs> that ah, i don't like tall people again and she married a short one then she didn't like that one again <sighs> married a muscular one and she married a slim she was just changing them you know you know that's abnormal and she was presently living with someone who is not her husband praise the lord so that became the summary of her life the driving force and that's why when you read verse 28 if several verses later she said something that was very interesting because after the story she perceived that Jesus was a prophet and she ran to her her city and she placed, she now said something but she says the woman left then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men come see a man who told me all things that I ever did could this be the Christ amen she says come see a man who told me all things that I ever did So she was summarizing oh, and what did Jesus say? Jesus simply said you have had five husbands and the one you are presently with is not your husband. How is that all the things you have never ever did? But the truth is that she was summar- the marriage was the sum total of her life. That's why Jesus when Jesus says you have had five husbands that is all that her identity entails. That is all that she was about. Praise the Lord. That is the summary. That's why she was saying Someone says you had five women, and that is all you've ever did. So pathetic. Praise God, because marriage was the sum total. It was the center. Marrying men up and down, you know, it was the, her way of coping with the inner thirst of her soul. Praise God. But thank God, Jesus was there at that moment. He was led there at that moment to deliver her from a deep thirst, to cleanse the fog from her eyes, and give her a new leaves of life. Praise the Lord. You know, and that's why I said in verse ten, John chapter four, verse ten, it says. He said to her, "If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, 'Give me a drink,' you would have asked Him, and He would have given you living water." Praise God! If only she knew that the source of complete satisfaction was in front of her directly. That it was Jesus Christ Himself. You know, but she still didn't get it. You know, you know, her response was, "Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it itself?" as well as the sons and his livestock she still wasn't getting it she wasn't flowing on the same wavelength with Jesus as people say she wasn't she wasn't vibing with him she wasn't vibing on his, on his frequency praise the lord you know but Jesus answered and said to her whoever drinks of this water will thirst again that is the physical water and even any natural thing that you you want to use to 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 fill the void in your heart in your soul whoever drinks of this will thirst again But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life, springing up to Zoe. Praise the Lord. This is powerful. You know, it says something very powerful. It says if you fill your life with this empty fads, you will thirst again. If you like fill your life with marriages, divorce, adultery, it will still never satisfy you. You still you still want more. You know, that's if it, if you don't even get some STDs along the way. But if you come to me, the water that I shall give you will become within you a fountain of living water, springing up to the way. Praise the Lord. You know. So Jesus says Jesus replied, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I shall give them will become in them a, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That's just a different transition. 
So Jesus, God is saying to you today, if you're on this forum today, don't fill your life with empty nonsense. You know, come to me, the source of living water, directly. Amen. He says, come to me. Throw down your water pots. Come to me and take a deep gulp. Quench your thirsts. Amen. The Bible says something in several um, chapters later in John chapter 7. I already said I was uh, referenced John a lot today. John chapter 7, verse 37. The Bible says, in the last day, of the, in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. You know, when I read this, I just sometimes imagine him crying, shouting. It says, Jesus stood and cried. It says, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. It says he stood and he cried. Why? Because you need to hear this. People are thirsty all around. It says, if any, any man, whoever you are, if any man thirsts, any man, no, you're not excluded, is an everlasting offer. It says, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. You know, I invite you today, the offer is still on the table. You know, I know we are believers a lot, but sometimes, you know, we are thirsty in one aspect or the other, or if you're not a believer, you're listening to this podcast. If you thirst, come to him and drink. Praise the Lord. You know, come to him and drink. John 7, 37. It's the same thing he said in um, John chapter 4. When he told the Samaritan, he said, Samaritan woman, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I shall give him will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. So this is a call to just drink deeply of Christ, free of charge. Amen. You know, you have, we know you have your well thought out plans. You have this, ah, this idea, this, this degree, this thing that you think would, you know, quench your thirst. But the real source is Christ himself. Don't waste time. Don't waste time with alternatives. Amen. You know, we see that today. Uh, we see that today. People just filling their lives with so many things. They're never really satisfied, you know. So as we begin to pray shortly, I'll have us open to something that God said through prophet Jeremiah. You know, just something along the same lines. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 12. Um, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 12. So this was God speaking to the people through prophet Jeremiah. It says, Be astonished, O heavens, at this. And be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord. It says, for my people have committed two evils. Now, what are those two evils? It says, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And next thing, it says, and hewn themselves, cisterns. Then broken cisterns that can hold no water. Praise the Lord. You know, isn't that peaceful? So it's not enough that you forsake, forsook the that they forsaken the fountain of living waters himself. They now went to create pitiful replicas. You know, since they hewn themselves, broken cisterns, they can actually hold no water. Or here, there's a fountain. Don't scrape, scrape muddy water with a broken cistern or whatever that can hold no water. Don't, don't waste, you know, come to the fountain. Amen. It's like the prodigal son that left the luxury of the father's house with everything that was their servants and everything. I went to be eaten amongst pigs. That's why God says, he says, be astonished. That means be surprised. It's shocking, right? He says, be astonished, O heavens, at this. And be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord. Because it's surprising to him. It's shocking. How do you have, have access to the fountain of living water? I are going about drinking from broken cisterns. Since we are astonished, we are be horribly afraid. You know, we can read this verse in um, 
uh, another in God's word translation. I like the way they wrote it there as we begin to pray shortly. It says, Be horrified over this heaven, be terribly afraid, declares the Lord. My people have done two wrong things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of life-giving water. They have also dug out their own cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So at this juncture, I'll just have us pray, you know, declare that um, in place of prayer that you want to drink directly from the source. You've, you are done playing with broken cisterns that can hold no water. Just, you know, express yourself in the, in the place of prayer uh, uh, for the next. Uh, so we, we, if you remember where we started, we started from John chapter 1. Um, from verse 4, where um, John writes, in him was life. You know, we spent a lot of time looking at that a bit uh, closely. We looked at um, what Zoe, life there means, uh, means Zoe, and how um, it's freely given and how um, it's it's a family inheritance. I mean, if you are joined to to Christ, you know, you have the same, can have the same kind of life, you know, flowing in you that we spoke about you know the thirst of the soul and how that this is the only kind of life that um, can really satisfy praise god all right so john chapter one like we said it says in him was life praise the lord so we look at the first part of that verse that is um, first john chapter four um the a part but we'll just continue from the b parts because that's not how the verse ends it says in him was life and the second part is and the life was the light of men praise the lord so he says, in him was Zoe, and the Zoe was the light of men. Well, now, what's John saying here? We, remember we said John, he likes to speak with metaphors. He speaks in, in poetic ways to bring about the beautiful truths of, of the kingdom, to the beautiful truths around Christ. He says, in him was Zoe, and the Zoe was the light of men. In fact, a verse has it as the Zoe was life of all men. So if any man would have actual light, it must be from Zoe. It must be from this um, life of God, praise the Lord. So what is he saying here? In him was life, and the life was the light of men. You know, we can say it in another way as, in him was Zoe, and that Zoe was the illumination of all men. Praise the Lord. Was the light of all men. Now, what is light in this, in this passage? Is it just what happens when you put on, turn on the light bulb in your room? You know, that's not what the light is talking about here. Light is a quality of God. Praise the Lord. Light is actually a quality of God. You know, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So God is light. Like, like God, wherever God is, there's just illumination. There's no, you can't find shadows there all of a sudden because he himself is the light. Praise the Lord. So light, we can say light is his person. It's a quality, a raw quality of God. Praise the Lord. So light is that which, which illuminates. It's that which allows us to perceive through the true essence of things. So maybe there are like so many arguments, ah, pros and cons, debates. What is this? What is that? There is a truth of God in that situation. And only until you involve God in it, can you really know? You know, because there are deceptions. You know, the Bible says, even the devil, you know, disguises as an angel of light. They are mere lights, fairly dim, but God himself is the true light. So light is that which illuminates. It makes it bright. It makes you now perceive, oh, this is the truth. Praise the Lord. You know, there are times when, in my life personally, there's phases in my life where 
I just know things supernaturally. I just, you know, someone is talking and I can see the root of what he's talking about, even before he knows. He thinks he's talking about, oh, this, um, whatever it is that is happening temporarily, maybe he thinks he's talking, oh, this bread that became, became mold and maybe he's shouting at his son or something. But I can just see through. I can see the, the root of that. That's what light does. Praise the Lord. Because the passage says, whatever makes manifest is light. Whatever makes seen, whatever makes open is light. So he's saying that is that is a quality of God. You know, it illuminates, it allows you to perceive things. It gives, it's you can say it's, it's also, you can say it's revelation, it's clarity. Praise the Lord. You know, a lot of people don't have clarity. You know, you can have passion, but no clarity. You can have energy, but no illumination. They're just going around doing this and that. But I saw clarity. Praise the Lord. But the more we involve God in our affairs, the more clarity we have. You know, I said we can have passion without clarity. A good example of that would be um, a, a story found in Acts 9. You know, this was a story of Saul who became Apostle Paul. And if you know anything about him, this man was a major villain towards the church. He was an enemy of the church. You know, if you read that chapter 9, I won't read it in detail, but it says he will, relent, he will relentlessly search out. It was on rampage. He relentlessly, relentlessly search out and murder disciples of Christ. That was his daily, that was his job. In fact, in chapter, in verse 9, in uh, Acts 9, it says, the Bible says he went to the high priest to ask for letters of authority from the synagogue at Damascus. So that he, letters that authorized him to arrest any believers he found on his way. That's how Saul was, who became Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. That was his life's mission. It was his life's goal. So he had passion. He was energetic. But one day in Acts chapter 9, verse 3, the Bible says a brilliant light shone on him from heaven. Now, this was both a physical and a spiritual light. Praise the Lord. And there was immediate clear clarity. All the things that... You know, it would have been difficult to get through to Paul, you know, just by normal, because Paul was just crazy. But this light from above shone on him directly, physically and metaphorically. And he fell off on, from his horse. You know, and the interesting thing about this passage is when you read it, the Bible says, as the light shone, a voice also came with the light that says, Saul, why do you persecute me? And what was Paul's response? Remember that at this point, Paul was the most hardened of the most hardened. He says, who are you, Lord? He knew at that point. There was, at that point, there was no controversy. There was no negotiation. There was sudden enlightenment. He says, who are you, Lord? The Bible says he was trembling. Who are you, Lord? He knew that that was God. That's what light does. He immediately at that, space, that millisecond, that, uh, that time, he knew the extent of damage he had done. And at that time, it became contrite. Why? Because as the Bible says, whatsoever makes manifest is light. He knew how much he had rampaged. That's why later I will say, for me, who am the um, chief of all saints, as this has been grace given, I'm a preacher among uh, the Gentiles, the unsearchable religious of Christ, something like that. He considers himself the, <laughs> the least of all saints because of his, his past. So at that moment, he knew that's light. Praise the Lord. And if you read shortly after that in verse 11, the Bible says, Ananias, who would eventually help him, had a vision. You know, the Bible says, And the Lord said to him, This is that is to Ananias, says, Get up and go to the street called Straight and ask at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus called Saul, for he is praying there. 
So after that thing happened, he was so contrite that he started praying. This was even before the gospel was preached to him because actually it's Ananias that preached the gospel to him. And that's why Paul was able to get saved. He was praying. Suddenly there was illumination. Illumination, praise the Lord. And that's what light does. It helps you see clearly. It helps you measure distance properly, proportionately. It gives you insight into the true nature of things. Oh, in this day and age, don't we need more light in our affairs? In government, in, in, you know, in, in institutions. We need light. We need clarity in families, in our marriages. Oh, what exactly is this about? We need light. We, we, we can't have too much of it in our nations, in our use of time, in our use of resources. You know, we, we can have clarity. In the Bible says of John, a man who was singular focus. The Bible says he was a burning and a shining light because he had a singular focus. He was sure. He wasn't wasting time with, with what wasn't, what was, he was sure. Praise the Lord. So we need light. Praise the Lord. As I was saying earlier, I said, I said light is the quality of God. Praise the Lord. You know, in fact, if you read Genesis chapter 1, it was the first thing he created. You know, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 from verse 2, it says, and the earth was tohu bohu, that's the Hebrew. That means without form and void, was chaos, chaotic. Was, and the Bible says, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And what happened? It says, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. What happened next? It says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that it was good. That's Genesis chapter 1 to verse four, um, 3 to 4. So light was the first thing. He hovered, the Spirit hovered upon the face of the deep. The first thing he did was let there be light. Before I can even do anything else, let there be light first. So light was the superstructure or the foundation of everything else he created. Before he could do anything else, there had to be light first. Praise God. You know, from the, and there are two things I'll have us notice from the scripture we just read. Amen. Um, the first is, it says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. So the first lesson here is that light is good. The more light we have, the more we are like God. Praise the Lord. The second thing I'll have us notice, not so obvious, all right, but um, is that God didn't actually create the sun and moon until the fourth day. If you read it, he didn't create the sun and moon until Genesis chapter 1, verse 14 to 19. So what is this light he was speaking about? The one I seen is good. Because it's much later that he created the sun and the moon, which gives us the natural light that we know about. It's because he wasn't talking about physical light. When God talks about light, he's talking about revelation. He's talking about enlightenment. When he says, let there be light, let there be revelation. Let everything be open. Let there be enlightenment. And it's less about physical lights. Praise the Lord. No wonder John said in John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Because it's his person. Where is there's revelation? Where is there's enlightenment? Where he says everything is clear. He says, I am the light of the world. This was Jesus talking. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but we will have the light of life. Praise the Lord. You will have the light of life. So he is our light. Praise the Lord. So let's just backtrack a bit, you know, to where we started from. John chapter 1 verse 4. You know, the Bible says, in him was light, life, and the life was the light of men. Now we have a much better idea what he was talking about. We'll begin to pray shortly. So in him was Zoe, and that Zoe is what enlightens us. It also helps us walk confidently, even if it doesn't make sense to the world. 
is that development that comes light is that development that comes to a man when he has zoe on his inside that man just knows what to do he always knows what to do because he's illuminated from within he's enlightened you know a man who walks in the fullness of zoe is a burning and a shining light his life is one of lesser conviction there are no shadows and of course, this thing is not black and white. The more you fellowship with Zoe, the more light you manifest. It's not like, oh, there's just light or there's no. No, it's, it's most, of, most things in, in, in our work of faith are just like degrees. So we can always improve. We can have more lights in our lives in different aspects. Praise the Lord. Amen. So I'll just um, look at something that just illustrates it. You know, you just know supernaturally because the Zoe is on your inside. You know, this, the, the apostles often struggled to to understand many things that Jesus said, for example, you know, and if you listen to some of our very older messages, it's because they were not, their state was different, you know, that's why Jesus had to speak to them in parables several times and all of that, you know, but let's just read a, a passage of scripture that just gives us an idea of what this light can look like. You know, Matthew, that's in Matthew chapter 16 from verse 13. Most of us know the, the this passage. Uh, Matthew chapter 16 from, from verse 13. You know, the Bible says, when Jesus came, into the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the son of the living God. That at that moment was revelation. That was light. That was light. That came from the Spirit of God. And Jesus said unto him, you know, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjuna, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And also, I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What does this mean? What is this rock? You know, simply saying, on this rock, on this revelation, I will build my church. The rock is the revelation. Praise the Lord. He's saying, you will build a church that built on truth and reality. A church built on verity, not on shaky ground, on revelation. Praise the Lord. On light, on enlightenment, I will build my church. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So that is how we function. That is how we live. That is what we strive for. You know, in, in Him was life. And the life was the light of men. You know, so as we begin to pray shortly, I'll just have us know that this light is not something we have to create ourselves. The light has already been created. Praise the Lord. All we do is just leverage on the light. Oh, we don't have to shine our own light ourselves. We are in the family. We just leverage on his own light. You know, the Bible says something in Genesis chapter 1 from verse 16. The Bible says, And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. It says he made the stars also. But if you know a bit of science, you'd know that the light from the moon is actually not a real light. Amen. The light from the moon is just a reflection of the sun's light. There's, the moon doesn't generate any light, doesn't combust anything, you know. So it says he made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, you know. But the moon has a light. Why? Because it's reflecting the light of the sun. And that's how we're designed to live. You don't have to make your own light. Just stay close to God. You will reflect. You will burn. Some people have prayed so much that their faces glowed. 
the face, you know, just like the, on the Mount of Transfiguration, just stay close to him. Don't create your own. And the Bible says in Psalms 36 verse 9, it says, For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. Praise the Lord. Oh, we can grin more from his light. In your light we see light. Oh, we just stay with him first. We stay with him as we fellowship with the Spirit, as we pray, you know, we just, we just, we just get better. We just become more enlightened. There's no nothing mystical about it. The more you pray, the more you're enlightened. You know, God wants to light us. He wants us to wants to reflect His light through us. Praise the Lord. You know, the Bible says in Job chapter thirty-two, from verse eight, it says that but there's a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty gives him understanding. You know, He wants to give us understanding. He wants to give us revelation. He wants us to see clearly. He wants us to know. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, it says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. It's the candle of the Lord. You know, so as we fellowship with the spirit, it can enlighten us. It can light us. It can set us on fire. As we fellowship with Zoe, as we, as we just delve into the hidden mysteries. You know, we can just sit down and just pray for a while. You know, just pray. Just, just explore. Oh, what's there in my spirit? Just, you know, you just get better. You just get better. You just get better. You just become more enlightened. When you come out and you're talking with someone, that's just a bit of difference. You're just, you're just like that. You're just, you're just, you're just wise. You're just, you know, you're just, you just know things. You know, that is, that is the revelation we are talking about. The spirit of the man is the candle of Lord. So we won't glean more. We won't um, embrace this more. We won't uh, work in, walk in these things more until we fellowship more with the spirit. You know, it says the spirit of man is what God will bring, used to bring direction to us in life. It's what God will use to bring revelation to us as you give the spirits first place. You know, Matthew um, chapter 4, uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 21, you know, this was Jesus saying, um, you know, in relation to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, where it says the spirit of the man is a candle of the Lord. In Mark chapter 4, verse 21, he says, this was a parable, and he said unto them, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick my brothers and sisters your candle your light is supposed to be set for people to see not for under a bed or under a bushel you know in when it was written uh, the iteration of this verse in another book in the book of luke chapter 11 verse 33 it says it differently it says no man when he has lighted a candle puts it in a secret place neither under a bushel but in a candlestick that they which come in might see the light. That is our purpose, praise the Lord. In the human spirit, the regenerated human spirit is the capacity to reflect the light of God. God wants to light our candles, praise the Lord. You know, we can have revelation. Like Paul, we can have, at that instance of time, we just know something. We just see things clearly. You see into the spirit, visions, revelations. And the Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, it says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me. So when you're in the spirit, you hear things, you see things. Why? Because you are fellowshiping, being with Zoe. In him was life, and the life was the life of men. Go ahead and pray. Fellowship.